We're in Luke chapter 5, verses 27 through 32, and this is one of the times in the Gospels that Jesus is at dinner. After this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector by the name of Levi sitting at his tax booth. Follow me, Jesus said to him. And Levi got up, left everything, and followed him. Then Levi held a great banquet for Jesus at his house, and a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with them. But the Pharisees and teachers of the law who belonged to the sect complained to his disciples, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus answered them, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. May the Lord bless his word to our hearts and minds this evening. Um, <laughs> a number of years uh, ago, a few years ago, we did a series on dining with Jesus. And so many people like that, that people have come up and said, could we do it again? And I said, yes, I, I guess we'll do it with a few twists. And, and so here we are. And I think the reason that people liked that was it was a different setting, because many times when we think about Jesus, we think about Jesus with the multitudes. And when we think about Jesus with the multitudes, I think many times we, we think about the miracles of Jesus, and we think about uh, the divinity and uh, we also think about the teaching of Jesus. But then when we see Jesus at the meals, dining with Jesus, we think about the humanity of Jesus. And I think that's a beautiful close-up moment with Jesus, with some beautiful teaching moments as well. And so on this Valentine's Day evening, where many of you are fasting and waiting to go out for Valentine's dinner later, <laughs> I think this is a chapter of love in the life of Jesus as we walk into Lent, and maybe that's where hearts and ashes cross paths. But it's a beautiful moment to see Jesus when he's with people up close and personal. So I invite you to walk back into this story. And the first thing is that Jesus goes to the office of Levi, also known as Matthew, who wrote Matthew's Gospel. And I know when you think about Jesus coming to visit, you think about Jesus in church, don't you? That's when most of us think about Jesus, right? When we're cleaned up, when we're looking good, some of us even might be smelling pretty good, right? And, uh, and we're on our best behavior. But Jesus doesn't do that with Matthew. Jesus goes to Matthew's office, and he is a tax collector. Now, for most of us, I know none of us like paying taxes, right? But at that time, tax collectors are one of the worst, not just sinners, but the worst of sinners. And the reason for that was really twofold. One, they made their money by overcharging for taxes. And, you know, none of us like paying taxes. We pay our fair amount, but no one wants to pay extra, but that's how they made their money. And the second thing was that they were in collusion with the Roman Empire, which were the, basically the overlords of the time. They were cruel taskmasters, and so Jesus is going to this, really, um, someone who's, a, who's against his own people in a very real way. And so he walks into the world of Matthew, of Levi, this tax collector, and Jesus is also brushing shoulders with all these uh, outsiders, and Jesus invites Matthew to follow him. Now, that is an amazing thing. He's inviting Matthew to become a disciple of him, to become a follower who was a sinner, who was an outcast, who was the worst person in the society of the day. And inviting him to follow him was like very much becoming a disciple and who had become one of the 12 apostles as well. And so Matthew followed Jesus. And Matthew's life is so transformed that he decides what he's going to do is to throw a party for Jesus, a banquet. And as such, he invites Jesus into his home. 
So Jesus goes into our workplace, doesn't he? And think about that for a moment. Whatever you're doing at work, what would you do if Jesus walked in? Would you be doing things right, ethically, having the highest standard, caring for people who need a listening ear, the lost, lonely, the least, the outcast? Jesus did. And then Jesus comes into Matthew's home to a feast, a banquet. Now, when we think about Jesus eating, we think about a somber occasion, but let's make no mistake, this is, this is a party that Jesus is going to. And uh, it was probably a rowdy group because Matthew doesn't necessarily invite, we don't know if he invites the religious leaders, he invites his friends who aren't religious leaders at all, as a matter of fact. They're fellow outcasts, they're fellow tax collectors, and so there was a party, there was a banquet going on, and Jesus is there enjoying the party with them. Now, I know some of you, if you're like me, uh, not other than a scone today, which was wonderful, thank you, uh, for Valentine's Day, you sort of fasted today. And so you think of Jesus as fasting, and there were those seasons where Jesus fasted, and that's an important moment, but this is a, this is a feasting moment for Jesus, where Jesus is lavishly enjoying and giving love, like a Valentine's present sort of a thing, where Jesus is spilling out the love of Almighty God to people who need love. And the religious folks come to Jesus, and, uh, and they're upset. <laughs> about that, because Jesus is indeed uh, not only associating with, but having a party with the outcast of the society. It reminds me of what my mom used to say, some people are so heavenly-minded, they're no earthly good. Is your mom, is that a mom saying for sure? Yes, yes. And, and a dad saying, I, Savannah will say that, I say that now and then too. So these people were exactly that, so heavenly-minded, they were no earthly good. And they come to Jesus, maybe probably call him to the side and say, do you have any idea who you're associating with? <laughs> Jesus knew, right? And, uh, and Jesus said, I've come for those who are sick, for those are the ones that need healing. I've called sinners to repentance. And don't you know that sometimes we need to build a relationship with the Lord before we really understand the full extent of our separation from him and then find fuller repentance in all of that. And I think that's powerful. So Jesus comes into our office, our place of work, wherever that is, and Jesus also comes into our home to share all of our, our deepest desires and everything that happens. And think for a moment what happens around a table, particularly at home. I mean, I've talked to people, and they went to the house to ask the father for permission to marry their daughter. Uh, I've talked to people who, of course, myself and you too, shared Thanksgiving dinners and Christmas dinners, the most festive times. We also gather around a table for weddings, and on the sorrowful side, we gather around a table oftentimes following the celebration of life for someone, and we share tears and we share laughter, because in all those things, we are sharing life. And so Jesus comes to us at table to share his life the whole spectrum of things, from the celebrations to the tears, from the laughter to those moments when we are just silent with the sorrow and heaviness of life. Jesus is there with us. Now, it's interesting because in Matthew's gospel, and it was Matthew's house, and Matthew was the one, Matthew adds an interesting detail that the other gospels don't have, and he was there. And Matthew adds this, and it's in Matthew chapter 9, 
In the midst of what Jesus is saying, he says, Jesus said this, but go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. And then he goes on to say, for I have come to call, not call the righteous, but sinners. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. And I think that's important. Now, for a lot of us, when we think about Lent, we think about sacrifice. Many of us will give up something. I don't know what it is for you. A lot of people, it's chocolate. Um, I think I could do without chocolate. And for other people, it's coffee. You wouldn't want to be around me if I was without coffee. So (laughs) for your sake, I'm not giving up coffee for Lent. But many times we give up something for Lent. But others have said, in addition to taking something away, we need to add something to our life. And so for all of us, the challenge is to to pray more, to spend more time in silence. But I think maybe Matthew would whisper to us today to think of something that we do that maybe is an act of mercy, an act of kindness that you could add to your life. Lord knows our world needs more kindness. And so to listen more around the table and to see those who are in need of of kindness and mercy in our world, those who are close at hand who need mercy, those who are hurting and sick and the lost, the lonely, the least, the outcast, but those around our world who are hurting and lonely, the least, the lost, the outcast, all of us could be better to love and serve God by loving and serving our neighbor, even as Jesus commanded us in the great command. So what can we do? Well, I have a wonderful example that I, I love, and it's a true story, and I know it's lofty, literally lofty. It happened on Mount Everest some years back. And the story goes of Ben Yehuda, who in 2012 was awarded the Israeli um, Presidential Award of Distinction, which very few people get. It's for an outstanding act for humanity. But he wasn't thinking about the time that he was awarded for that. It had been a, a couple years previous to that. He was 24 years old, and he was attempting an assault on the summit of Mount Everest, the highest mountain in the world, 29,000 feet, if you're not aware of just how tall that is. He was in the final 1,000 feet of the climb. It's known as the death zone, and most people cannot make it through there without oxygen. The winds are often high, the temperatures are incredibly low, and uh, hypothermia can set in easily. A person can die from the cold, a person can die from lack of oxygen as well. And as he looked down, he saw a person that he didn't recognize at first by the name of Advin Ermak, who was Turkish, and he was 64 years old, really old for a climb on Mount Everest. Now, I would say that Ben Yehuda was trying to be the youngest Israeli ever in the history of the world to complete the summit of Mount Everest. As he looked and saw this Turkish older gentleman laying in the snow, he realized who it is. Unlike most people who walked past him, this man had lost his oxygen mask. He'd lost his gloves, dangerous there, and didn't even have a hat on. He was certain to die in a short amount of time. Ben Yehuda stopped his climb and let go of his hopes to being the youngest Israeli ever to complete an assault on the summit of Mount Everest. And he, for the next nine hours, struggled to get him back to safety. It was a hard and arduous climb. Later at that safety camp, people came around him and asked him 
you know, why did he do it? And here he was, this young Jewish person, trying to set a world record on Mount Everest, and he rescued an older Muslim from a different country, from Turkey. And he said quite simply, because we shared a meal together, because we shared a meal together. Apparently, the previous night, they had sat down together as strangers and shared a meal. I do think in today's world, so, so ripped apart by strife and violence and inequalities, injustice, that all of us would do better to sit at table with someone different than us, a stranger, someone of a different race or religion. Because when we share a meal, we share life. We share hopes and we share dreams. We share celebrations. We share sorrows that we've gone through. And Jesus did that with Levi, who became Matthew, who wrote the gospel. And so I think when maybe Matthew adds that little grain, that little nugget, who's really a jewel, he whispers to all of us that that's something that we need to do in all the commotion of life is to, is to seek and add mercy, not just sacrifice to our life, to seek and add mercy or kindness not just sacrifice to our season of Lent, as good a sacrifice is. Because after all, at table is Jesus, the greatest sacrifice of all, of God's love and grace. But Jesus always had time for a meal, those who were the lost, the lonely, the least, the outcast, and he had time to show them love. So maybe there's where hearts in ashes cross on a very rare day that Ash Wednesday and Valentine's Day fall on the same day. I can't remember the last time that happened. But I do hope that you remember this truth, that Jesus loves all of us. And Jesus has invited us to sit at table with him, not just for Holy Communion, but for all of life, to share the hopes and dreams and the tears and the celebrations of life because he's there as God with us, as Emmanuel, who cares that much about us. So I'd like to give you just a little bit of food for thought, if you will, with some reflection questions. Do you need to invite Jesus into your place of work or study? Do you need to invite Jesus more often into your dining table? or your TV tray next to the TV. <laughs> Tonight, do you need to feel, or any night, do you need to share with Jesus, as someone who shares table with you and a meal, your sins and shortcomings? Jesus cares enough they'd walk into Matthew's office in Matthew's home. Jesus cares that much for you as well, despite whatever sins or shortcomings we have. He paid the price after all. Where also might you show mercy in your life? Is there someone that you know that's hurting, that's 
some of the just lost, lonely, least outcasts, that you could show an act of mercy, even something small. None of us can do everything for everyone in the world, but all of us can make a difference to one person by doing a simple act of kindness. And in so doing also, pray a blessing. You do not need to be a pastor to pray a blessing. All of us share in that. What areas of the world are struggling with empty tables this evening? For this evening's table is empty for just that reason. Both in our community and across our country and around the world, there's lots of empty tables. And there's lots of hurting hearts. There's lots of people who need a friend to share a meal with. And that could be the greatest gift any of us could give someone who's lonely and outcast. And what invitation, finally, do you need to hear from Jesus to draw closer to him in the season of Lent? As we carry both ashes and hearts in each of our hands. We join me in prayer. Let us be thankful that you invite us to table with you. You love us. You share your humanity with us, your, your heart with us your love for us, and you invite us to share all of our hopes and dreams and our, even our sins and shortcomings and our brokenness, our disappointments, all of our life with you, because you will wrap them up in your love and grace, for you've taken all of them to Calvary, and even now, you are at the right hand of the Father, interceding for us. You care for us, you pray for us, you embrace us, you love us, and Lord, we're so thankful that you sit at table with us. I invite you to take a moment of quiet reflection as the choir comes to share with us in music.
Beautiful, thank you. I have shared before that I didn't come from a church that did Ash Wednesday, and uh, I came to it later in life, and it was very, it's, it's still a, just a very meaningful thing to me, a very meaningful moment. And so if you're not from those traditions, or even if you have and haven't reflected on it much, that when we think about ashes, of course it's a sign of repentance. And it comes from the earliest times because ashes were left over when the ruin of war had subsided and there was nothing left of the town in many cases, but, but ashes. And so, of course, it would be a time of repentance as well when people would pray as part of that repentance. Ashes also for the Christian, Christian tradition, not just a time of prayer leading into that, but for us, the ashes are actually left over from Palm Sunday. They're palms that have been burned and, uh, and then crushed beautifully. And, and so we have that repentance, and we think of Palm Sunday when Jesus went into Jerusalem, knowing what his destiny was. And even though people were welcoming him and fading him and celebrating him, he knew that they would soon fall away, and there would be betrayal. And the cross was before him, and yet he was willing to do that, to pay the ultimate price. And so it invites us into the holiness and the presence of God and the sacrifice of God. It reminds us of forgiveness. And there's something else here that's important too, which is that some of the richest soil, the most fertile soil anywhere in the world is ashes. Ashes that have set for a while because they bring fertile growth. And I think in the same way, our repentance, our humility before God in our prayer are ways if we come to repentance and prayer and time of listening, that that's a time of growth in our own life. And just as after the wartime, many times the trees and crops after a period of time would become greater and stronger than ever before, so too in our repentance and even after our fallenness, if we pray, repent to God, that that is a humble season of growth, and that is so powerful. As many of you may know, I have my own recipe for ashes on this Dining with Jesus series. And in the past, I used three of the same ingredients uh, from a little pack that my brother brought back from the Holy Land. This ash wines that I'm using one pack that I got from the Holy Land came with a nice little cross, which I, which I love, uh, from Jerusalem. And so I mixed these things with the ashes and, uh, and placed the sign of the cross on your head as well as mine. And so I'll just walk through that with you. And so the first is water from the Jordan River, where Jesus was baptized, where Joshua led the people into the promised land where the waters were rolled back and the people walked forward in a step of faith, but more importantly, where Jesus in a moment of humility, the lowest place on the planet, offered himself to be baptized, to dedicate, to fulfill the mission of God, and the Holy Spirit came with him. And so, and I was privileged to be baptized when I went to visit the Holy Land. So I'm gonna put just a little bit of water from the Jordan River in there. And then, speaking of the Holy Spirit, 
we're going to use some oil, which is from olive trees in Bethlehem. And oil has long been a symbol of healing. It was used in the Near East and still is to this day for burns and wounds. Uh, but it's also a symbol of the Holy Spirit. And so God's Spirit in our lives is a soothing resource. And of course, oil was used to light lamps. And so I'm putting some of this in as a symbol of the Holy Spirit and that God comes to us in his Holy Spirit. It's also used many times as the church is invited to pray for the sick, and not just the sick in body, but also the sick in soul. And so we come forward and we come forward as a symbol of repentance, but also inviting God to heal our hearts, our souls, our bodies, our past, our brokenness, and give us new life through the power of the Holy Spirit. And then some soil. As it turns out, a lot of soil. In this case, the Holy Spirit work from Jerusalem, where Jesus went to give his life, also reminding us that God breathed into the dust of the earth to form us in his image through the power of the Holy Spirit. And the soil is fertile. And last, this is the new thing. And since I got it in this kit, I thought, no, I'm going to add that to my new recipe on ashes. And this is actually incense. And it is a little mixture of frankincense and myrrh. Myrrh, you'll recall, of course, this is part of the gifts. I don't have any gold. so. But the Magi come to Jesus, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Myrrh being reddish and uh, a symbol of, of Jesus' role as, a, as the one who would be priestly and offer his own life in sacrifice. And then frankincense, white in color, reminds us of Jesus' purity and his role as, uh, as a prophet. And both were used in, in incense and in perfume, and so we know that God works in, even in our tears, uh, for the aroma of life, but more importantly, through God's work through Christ on the cross and also God's work even now as Christ is before the Father. And so I mix all those together. And I invite you as you come forward shortly, there'll be music playing to make this a season of prayer and to dedicate yourself. But I also invite you to bring whatever needs that you have before the Lord. Uh, through the power of the Holy Spirit, the sacrifice of Christ, as Christ is interceding for us now, there may be wounds of the soul from the past. Um, so many of us have scars that we bear or just wounds. It may be that you're experiencing a physical need and you need a healing touch in addition to all our good medical things. It may be also that you, your heart is grieving and broken from the loss of a loved one. Or it may be that you need healing in a relationship. Whatever your need is, and it may be need like all of us, which is that we need to draw closer to Christ. And this is the perfect season for that. So I'm going to play a blessing over this 
and then the music will begin and we'll invite you to come forward. Gracious Lord, as we think of this moment of Ash Wednesday, crossing with Valentine's Day, we do think about your love and all the price that you paid on the cross. You came to us to take the ashes of our lives and all of our sins and shortcomings and to raise us to new life through your love and the power of the Holy Spirit. And so we pray for healing for all who need healing. We pray for those who need healing in relationships. We pray for those whose hearts are broken and grieving. We pray for those who are sick and in body. We pray for all of us, Lord. We pray for our world, Lord, that certainly needs healing. And we pray that we would make this season of Lent a time to go forward with you as we journey towards the cross, that special moment. But not just the cross, but the hope of Easter morning as you transform all of our lives with forgiveness and grace and love and promise. And Lord, we pray you'd help us even in the smallest moments of kindness to share the gift of your love and mercy with others near and far. We pray this in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And all God's people said, Amen. I invite you to join in the prayer of confession. As disciples of Jesus Christ, we are called to struggle against everything that leads us away from the love of God and neighbor. Repentance, prayer, fasting, study, and works of love help us to return to that love. I invite you, therefore, to commit yourselves to love God and neighbor by confessing your sin and asking God for strength to persevere in your Lenten discipline. Lord, we thank you that you have come in Christ to share life with us. Thank you that you share times of weakness and heartache with us. Lord, we thank you that you share times of joy and celebration with us. Lord, thank you that you have even shared times of fasting and feasting with us. Lord, help us to be open to your spirit as we journey with you in all the seasons of life. Remove all that would separate us from your presence. As your psalms declare, you desire truth in the inward being. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Do not cast me away from your presence. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. Then I will teach transgressors your ways. O Lord, open my lips. For you have no delight in sacrifice. A broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. Let us join together in the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. 
and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. I invite you to come forward for the imposition of ashes. If you're not able to come forward, then following people come forward, uh, just uh, signal to me, and I will come back to you in your pew.